You're listening to Three Broke Mice, a podcast collaboration of KBIA and Missouri Business Alert. I'm Kara Tabor. If you listened to our last episode, you heard us chatting with Zach Heath. He's a Mizzou MBA student, an entrepreneur, and currently a cancer warrior. We promised that there would be a part two of our chat that goes more into Zach's background and what it's like to be fighting the good fight against colon cancer. Listen as I'm joined by my fellow broke mouse, Sue Lay, and Becky Smith from KBIA's Health and Wealth Desk to chat with Zach about what it's like to be a young adult and a cancer warrior. People, younger people, and especially it seems like people in our age range of their 20s often have this perspective of being young and invincible. And do you think maybe that and your healthy lifestyle maybe contributed to your past perspective on your own health and how if so? Absolutely. Um, I think I, you know, mentioned in the blog that I've that young teenage sense of immortality is is gone. Um, and I really, <laughs> I kind of embodied that for a long time. I just, you know, with the genetic testing, I was like, no, I don't have it. I'm not getting tested. I don't have it. I'm not gonna get sick. Nope, I'm good. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> and I mean, I've never gotten sick. I'm like. Well, I mean, never, not really. You know, I get sick once every couple of years, and I think I've just always been pretty healthy except for the breaking bones thing. And so I it, I don't know. It's it, it's crazy. And how has that changed, that kind of mi- mindset? Time is just not as uh, – it just time has changed. My conception of time or perception of time and – I don't feel like – I don't like free time as much anymore. You know, sitting around watching Netflix, essentially wasting time doing nothing is is frustrating to me now. I used to, you know, do that quite often because I figured, hey, I got, you know, 50 more years. I can do what I want. And now, you know, who knows what will happen. But regardless, realizing, you know, the fact that you aren't going to live forever and there's, you know – and there's a significant chance that they might not be here in five years or whatever. And so I want to get stuff done. You know, I want to help people. I want to do, I want to accomplish things. I want to, you know, build relationships with and spend time with people I care about. I want to try and help as many people as I can. And, you know, it's a weird thing for kids from the Midwest apparently, but I would really like to change the world and do as much as I can to improve how we treat cancer and how we perceive cancer and how we operate on cancer patients and and give everybody a better chance to beat cancer. And so that's what I've been doing. And what made you want to start your blog? Because you journal your, I guess, this process pretty extensively. I mean, you write about a lot of things. Um, And you're a pretty good writer, too. I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, it, it goes back to kind of what I told you when I looked up the mortality rates. Um, that it, I didn't do that for a long time. It never crossed my mind that cancer was something that could actually, like, win, um, which is a really arrogant thing to say, I suppose. But I just refused to believe that it was going to beat me, you know. And so I, I had a conversation with somebody, and somebody actually asked me. And I was just kind of like, ooh light bulb, like never thought of that. Um, and so I went home and got on AmericanCancerSociety.com and, you know, looked up what the five-year survival rate of was was with somebody with stage four colon cancer. And it came back and said 11%. And I just, <laughs> I just kind of looked at that in disbelief and was like, 
uh, nope, I don't think so, you know, and came up with all these reasons as to why that can't be me, you know. If I, when I go to the chemo ward or the hospital, um, sorry, it's not really called a chemo ward, it's ambulatory infusion <laughs> unit, but um, it might as well be a chemo ward. You know, everybody in there is 30 years older than me. Um, and so that's the people that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm 29 years old. I'm pretty healthy besides this whole cancer thing. Um, and I just refuse to believe that it's going to win, you know, and I refuse to let it define me. And so really the reason I wanted to start the blog was I saw that and I had been really frustrated with trying to find answers on the internet to questions I had. Um, it's really hard to do. And so my original plan was to develop kind of a forum and even maybe a social media type platform, but I'm not a web developer. Um, but I just started and I Googled how to build a website. And then I watched YouTube videos and read articles and a couple books and a couple days later, I built a website and then I was like, well, maybe I can figure out how to help people or get people to feel more comfortable with talking about what's going on or understand that this sucks um, or just, I don't know, I really wanted to figure out a way for people to get questions answered that they had by someone who went through the same disease at around the same age. And so the goal when I first started was to create some sort of forum that would allow you to basically match with somebody who had beat what you had as your diagnosis that was around your age. Um, that part hasn't really come to fruition yet, but um, I'm working on it, and so we'll see. Um, but I, I don't know. I just felt like I had to, had to talk about it, and it's been, <laughs> I guess, good therapy for me. I don't know. I don't really see it as that, but it... it it does usually make me feel better after I talk about it. And, and I've, in some ways, I get away from just the cancer and I talk about other issues that keep me awake at night. And, you know, there's lots of things that people deal with that don't have cancer that I deal with now that I haven't dealt with before. You know, there's body image issues and attitude issues and diet issues and, and lots of things that go into the daily struggle and I just, you know, felt like I might as well just share my opinions because what's the worst that's going to happen? And so I did and have been, will continue to do. And we've seen some of your Instagram pics, especially of the delicious looking homemade, super healthy meals that <laughs> you're whipping up. And we were, we were talking doing, about food, we were talking last about food in our yeah. last episode. I, uh, yeah. I've always been kind of a foodie and ever since I got out of college, really, I've been really interested in diet and nutrition and, you know, you get one body and one mind and you need to take care of both of them. You can't just trade them in when you're done or when they run out. And so... There's been a you know culmination of six or seven years of you know nutrition research, and my background is in biology and genetics, and so like that's uh, it was always very interesting to me and what food can do for your body, and you find all these stories too about people curing their cancer, curing whatever disease by just eating real food, um, which is <laughs> just doesn't happen these days really. I mean, it's frustrating, but we're you know fed by a food industry that doesn't care about our health and treated by a healthcare industry that doesn't care about our food. And there's just this crazy disconnect that makes no sense. I mean, I get it, you know, as a, as a business student, you know, eating healthy, nutritious food makes a lot of sense, but it doesn't make a lot of dollars. And so, and it's, it's 
it's not easy. It takes a lot of willpower. And so we actually have published a anti-cancer diet on our through the through the startup. And so that's actually up right now and it's chainlife.org. Um, and it's kind of a paleo-ish type diet with some modern science behind it. And it's a lot of, you know, we've dug through a lot of research and kind of pinpointed the things that are going to help you avoid cancer, lose weight, and be healthier in general. And so we wanted to, you know, disseminate that information. And hopefully we have about 500 people at the university on it right now that are doing exceptionally well. We have people that have lost 150 pounds. We have people that are going through chemo that have virtually no side effects that are on the diet, which is crazy. And I attribute it to why I've had such success with chemo. I mean, I've had no no real fatigue, no nausea. I, I got the stomach flu last week, you know, like some a little bit auto or immune immunocompromised, but I question whether they're really giving me chemo or just like saline solution, which is an awesome thing to feel like. Real, <laughs> real food is amazing, and what it, if you give your body everything it needs? It's amazing how much you can, how much better it, off it is. I mean, you have three billion processes in your body a day, so even if you mess up ten percent of those, I mean, that's three hundred million things going wrong in your body. Right. Like that's a scary thing to think about. I think I'm somewhere between. The fast food everyday people and you guys. <laughs> like, I mean, I've been a vegetarian for 11 years. So, like, all the red meats are gone. So that's good. Questionable. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't like it. So I'm not going to eat it. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I'm not perfect. I ate a whole cookie cake on Saturday. I'm not even ashamed. <laughs> but I'm just, like, thinking. It was like Maybe mm. we shouldn't put that on there. <laughs> there's a, there's, there's a, a lot of days where I, like, either skip meals or, like, Eat cereal oh, or that. intermittent fasting is a great thing. Mm. But when you get like one meal out of three in a day, that's probably not great. <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> the problem is the next day is when I get like two Starbucks, right? Like I get two well, the chai is, lattes or something. Yeah, you go from you know intermittent fasting and one small healthy meal, and the next day you binge eat five thousand calories in one sitting, yeah. which may may or may not be a personal story there. Yeah, I don't know. Work has been, like, a really hard adjustment. I can't imagine, like, grad school is much different. Like, you know, trying to get out the door to get to wherever you need to be to get to work, to get to school. Um, so you throw in a meal, and then I always forget to pack my lunch. So I try and, like, leave yeah. things like carrots and, right, like, yeah. PB&J supplies and veggies and stuff How, how does that work for you? Uh, e- eating healthy is not hard, but it takes a lot of preparation. Um, and so I'm at the hospital a lot, and they have – hard-boiled eggs and Cobb salad, and they're relatively cheap and pretty tasty. And so that, you know, a lot of times hard-boiled eggs and a couple of strawberries or a Cobb salad is what I eat. And I've been developing this network lately, and we go to, I go to Flat Branch, it seems like about five times a week now, um, and I get their Cobb salad. And it's all, it's, you know, it's virtually no carbs unless you get tomatoes, and I'm okay with having tomatoes be a carb source, and it has peppers and blue cheese and all kinds of other healthy stuff on there. And so, you know, would I rather have a pizza sometimes? Maybe, but it's pretty delicious and it's way better for me. I mean, as well as things have been going for me, like I just really don't want to rock the boat and I don't want to take a chance of, you know, what, like what's, well, there's no point to me, I guess, in, in having that 10 minutes of instant gratification and then, because I always feel bad about it. Um, I, I just would much rather eat. I feel better when I eat healthy and my body responds better. And I can I can just tell a big difference. And so it's important to me. And plus, 
I got a whole bunch of things wrong right now. And so, you know, I want to try to give my body everything it needs. If you try to run your car on something that isn't gasoline that's designed for your car, it's not going to run very well. Same process goes with the human body. If you eat a bunch of crap and a bunch of things that aren't really food and have numbers and the ingredients and chemicals and stuff, like I don't I don't really like ingredients. Like real food doesn't have ingredients. Real food is ingredients. And so it's scary to see some of the stuff that's in a lot of the things, and I, I, I read labels all the time, and people give me a hard time about it. But it, it's amazing what they put in food that is, you know, considered to be healthier, eaten all the time. And I don't know. I, I'm not a big breakfast person, so usually by the time school's over, I go get something to eat somewhere, and it's usually a, a chicken Caesar salad or a Cobb salad or something like that. And I don't really feel like I'm missing out. And I like to cook, and so I make make a lot of food at home. But I'm not perfect. I'm really curious on this carb thing. Um, is the low-carb diet, I mean, I, obviously the full diet, but is the low-carb thing related specifically to the colon cancer? Like, I have a family member who has Crohn's disease, so obviously not cancer, but other issue with the colon. And low fiber is actually really good for Right. Them. There's a lot of research that, sh- I mean, f- humans have been around for hundreds of thousands of years to actually pinpoint that exact date is, you know, up in the air. But... We've only had agriculture for 10,000 years. You know, we, we're really not designed to eat things like gluten or grain. We can't digest them. And, and seeds and, and grains inherently um, are evolved to not be digested. You know, that's how they spread is they get eaten and only part of it gets digested and then they, you know, come out and then they have a uh, healthy, nutritious place to grow. And so the, the low car- there, there's lots of evidence that if you limit your carbs and you, you get into a, you know the ketogenic phase and you, you burn fat as fuel for your body, there's all kinds of benefits. Um, we could get into that, but that would be a whole another conversation, which might be fun to have. <laughs> With being so attentive to what you're eating, what you're putting in your body, have you seen any increase or change in how much you're spending on food? No. Everybody likes to say that eating healthy is expensive, but Taco Bell's expensive. You can't get out of Taco Bell for less than 10 bucks. You know, I can go to Hy-Vee and get a huge bag of spinach and a whole chicken for le- for 10 bucks. So, you know, I, the part where it's expensive is it's not expensive when it comes to money, it's expensive when it comes to time. And it goes back to the whole pre- preparation part and you know, I Wish I was better at that sometimes, but it's really not that hard. It just takes a little bit of effort. I really like that. It's it's not expensive. It just takes effort. It really does. And, you know, you you hear people all the time that say they don't have time to do this or do that, but they've also seen everything on Netflix. So it's it's a priority. You know, you don't have time to work out, but you have eight hours to go hang out at the bar. You know, like it's it's all what, what you want to do, and it's all relative. And to me, at this point in my life, it's worth the time sacrificed to do what my body needs to beat cancer. Something that you mentioned that I'm really curious about is you mentioned some other problems that other people might have, and one of which is body image problem, right? And I personally think that everybody has body image issues. There's not a single person out there who doesn't. But you seem to be kind of like an exception to my belief because uh, you've like, you, you, I mean, including public, a lot of other aspects, publicly, you just yes. put it out there. Yeah. Publicly, yes. But everybody, you know, everybody behind closed doors is their own worst critic. 
You know, everybody has something in the mirror they want to change. If they didn't, plastic surgeons wouldn't be so rich. Um, but I, I didn't have a whole lot of issues with it really growing up. Um, I was always very active, very competitive in sports, like, and always in pretty good shape. And then, you know, I worked really hard to kind of, I guess, develop the body that I wanted to have. And so I, I was proud of the work that it took and, you know, the dedication. And I, I liked how I looked. And I've lost 60 pounds. I've lost basically everything that I've worked for over the last 10 years. And so I've never really been a, a skinny, skinny guy. Um, and I just got I called skinny, Leland. And nothing against being skinny. I just, it's not me and I don't love it. Um, but I don't look like a cancer pay. I mean, it's it's not ideal, but I look. I, I'm okay with it. Like I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have like 12 scars here on my just on my stomach. So, beach season will be interesting. Swimsuit season will be interesting, but it's better to have a bunch of scars than the alternative. It's battle scars. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everybody says, and so I mean, I already have multiple. So like, what is you know, what's a few more? And with how just as we've been talking this entire time, how you seem to approach most things in your life with this gung-ho, all-in spirit, what kind of comparisons, if any, have you been able to draw between being this driven entrepreneur and student and, as you say on your website, a gladiator against cancer? I, You know, I was... <laughs> I was tired of always hearing cancer fighter, you know, I don't know. And, and <laughs> gladiator is my favorite movie. And I just thought that the whole relationship of a gladiator going into the arena to win your freedom really kind of resonated with me in terms of being a cancer patient, going in to get chemo and surgery to essentially win your freedom from cancer. And so I don't know, I chose to use that as, as the kind of catchphrase and, and, you know, you got to be tough in everything. It doesn't matter if you have cancer. It doesn't matter if you're sick or healthy or happy or sad or rich or poor. You, you, I mean, you control how happy you are, you know, and I really do believe that. And you all the time see, you know, people that are hypochondriacs and they get sick or hurt all the time. And it's, well, they're telling themselves that they're sick or hurt all the time. You know, like happy people tell themselves they're happy, you know, and I, I have lots of negative things that happen in my life, but so what? Like, at the end of the day, I have a great family. I have a great life. I'm in school. I'm doing really cool things with the website. I have a ton of – or with the startup, I have a ton of support everywhere I go. Like, I have nothing to be upset about, like, you know, at the end of the day. And obviously, that's a really long equation, and you add up all the positives and negatives, and everybody comes to their own conclusion. But regardless of that conclusion, you control how happy you are, and I just wish more people would – understand that you know wake up tell your, think about the five best things in your life every day you probably have a better day but if you sit there and just dwell on everything terrible like nobody likes that like nobody's attracted to that nobody wants to hang out with you nobody wants to help you like it life is great like at the end of the day just be positive How, stop being a hater you know like and that's such a, a way of our culture lately that it's just cool to hate everything and it just doesn't make any sense. And to me, that's no way to go through life. And I just, I don't know when I, I, I get that way. I have, I get down on myself sometimes or, you know, negative emotions and thoughts. And like, I was really sick whenever I had the flu, what, uh, two weeks ago now. And I, I noticed like I hadn't really eaten in a couple of days. And like, I was just basically hugging the toilet and laying in the fetal position and feeling awful. And, you know, I, you allow negative thoughts to creep into your head and it just makes it worse. Like, 
And I kind of had the realization after like two days and I was just like, wait a minute, like, what am I doing? Like, this is not helping. And I was just like, okay, I feel better. And I just kept telling myself that I felt better regardless of how I felt. And the next morning it was fine. Like, do I think that it had a direct relationship? Yes. But do I think that was all? No. Like, it was just probably like the third, fourth day of being sick and I was over it. But it makes a huge difference. Just tell yourself you're happy and you'll be happy. Fake it till you become it. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. I heard that a lot growing up. Um, so this is like related to Kara's question, um, but kind of the opposite side of it. So in your blog posts, you are, you know, very blunt and very forward about your experiences. And I would dare to even call you uber confident. At least a lot of these posts, you come across that way. But are there still fears that you struggle with or that persist about, you know, about treatment, about some of the like, uh, uh, procedures you're going to have to undergo? Absolutely. I don't, I, I, you know, it's, it goes back to, I tell, I try to tell myself how I feel rather than feeling how I feel a lot of the times. Um, and I've had this conversation many times in the last few days because surgery is coming up so soon and they're, I mean, they really are going to gut me like a deer. They're going to, you know, cut me from my sternum all the way down to below my belly button and they're going to rip me open and they're going to take pieces out and then they're going to staple me back up. Nothing about that sounds fun, but it's a necessary evil. And like, I'm, I'm, but when I tell people like that I'm nervous about it or scared about it, they're like, well, you know, you'll be fine and you know, you're strong, positive. Nah, 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 nah. Well, yeah, I still am, but I'm allowed to be scared about things too. Like just because I'm positive and happy doesn't mean that like I don't ever worry about anything. You know, I have plenty of worries. Like obviously like there's a good chance that something could go wrong. Like this is be like the sixth time I've gone under anesthesia in the last three or four months, you know, so that's quite a lot for your body to handle and it's a major surgery. There's a major risk for infection. I'm not going to be able to really walk much for a couple of weeks. Like I graduate in like six weeks, seven weeks. And that's how long about your, it takes to recover. So how am I going to be able to finish, like do school? Um, we're going to start pitching to investors in the end of April. How am I going to be able to do that? And so do I feel confident in the fact that I will be resilient and that I will, you know, be able to do all these things? Absolutely. But it's always going to be in the back of my mind that maybe I won't, you know, who knows what can happen. People, you know, I've, I've had a lot of experience with loss here recently, which is actually going to be the next blog post. And, you know, I had a buddy whose, whose dad was in the hospital and went on, underwent a routine surgery, way more routine than what I'm going through and then had major complications and he was in the hospital for a month. And then we thought he was getting better and he passed away, you know, like that's, that's crazy. And so, all anything can happen, um, but if I spend all my time worried about that, then I don't have time to go to school, write a blog, you know, go outside and enjoy the weather, and you know, do the things I want to do. And so, yes, especially late at night, laying in bed, there's always this fear of what might happen. But I don't have time for that. Too busy. <laughs> <laughs> What's the reaction been like online? Have you had people contacting you who are fellow young adult cancer survivors or people who you're inspiring them through their own struggles, their own journey? It's <laughs> It's been crazy. Um, so the first night I posted, I was up till 7 a.m. responding to everybody that messaged me. I, prob I got probably 500 new friend requests and probably 150 or 200 uh, messages, inbox messages, from all the way from people that I hadn't seen since elementary school to a bunch of strangers. Um, 
all kinds of people that were going through cancer or had somebody that was going through cancer. And um, I know we're not Facebook friends or anything, but if there was one girl who had an ostomy bag and has had been through a lot of stuff and I guess never really told anybody and she like just because of what I said and I put it out there, she decided to share her story. And like we talked like several times and it was and she, it was just really cool to see kind of how much of a relief it was for her to say everything and get it out there. And she got an overwhelming response. And it's crazy. I've had people, I, I had a ton of people reach out to me and I, I really, I tried to respond to every single person. I think I did a, a pretty good job, but there's people all over the country, people in other countries, which I don't understand how that happened, but whatever. You know, it got, I think, like, 500 chairs in, like, 24 hours. I was expecting, like, to, like, really have to, like, make my family do it and, like, <laughs> you know, maybe, like, three or four other people I could strong arm into doing it, you know, like, play the cancer card. And then I did it and, like, immediately, like, I remember sitting there with my sister and, and chemo and just, like, I couldn't keep up with notifications or, or messages fast enough. And I was just like, this is insane because... I've never really been a social media person. Like I've always always really pretty private, which is another like kind of crazy thing to me that how I decided to just lay it all out there. But I don't know. People have been awesome. I don't really know what else to say about it. And I've actually made several friends from people who have reached out to me, and we just kept talking and have been friends, and it's pretty cool. How many people read your website? Uh, well, I've been slacking a little bit on posting, but usually, uh, whenever I post, it's about five to seven hundred people. For five to seven hundred hits on depending on the day but when i don't post it's nowhere near that <laughs> but either way it's a lot of people so the thing that when i first encountered you know your story your website it was through a grad student mm -hmm. i saw it on their facebook and the thing that i just find so astonishing is that you are being so incredibly upfront and you know like i said earlier blunt and just sharing everything about this experience that other people work so desperately hard to hide the question that popped into my mind first was just, why? <laughs> I get that a lot. I was lucky enough to kind of have like a six-week period to figure it all out. So really kind of uh, around Thanksgiving um, was when I got the ostomy bag put in the night before Thanksgiving, actually. And then I didn't go back to school the rest of the semester. I had all of Christmas break. And so I think it was like January 11th or something whenever I posted the blog um, the week before school. For the better part of that six weeks, I was like, not going to tell anybody, not going to let anybody know. Um, I'm just going to say that I've been running a lot and like training for a marathon. Like I can maybe get away with this. Like I'll just wear like a sweatshirt every day. And like I'm just going to get through this without anybody knowing. And I'm not going to just give a beat. And then like I'll be fine and I'll like beat it. And like nobody will ever have to know. And then, like, I saw that, mortali that mortality rate thing, which I, that really, like, blew the lid off of everything. And I was just like, all right, whatever. Let's do it. I'm going to tell everybody. And I don't want to have to answer specific questions, like, a thousand times. So I'm just going to tell everybody what's going on. And I, I think that when people talk about stuff, they always leave out stuff. And, like, and I made a very conscious decision that if I was going to do it, I was going to tell everybody everything. And I wouldn't leave anything out, even the <laughs> gross parts or the uncomfortable parts to talk about. And I think I've done a pretty good job of, of, of not leaving anything out. And if I've left things out, it's because I just forgot, not because I meant to. And that does happen. But This is like my big thing about all health topics. I like hate the stigma associated with so many of them. So I like I feel like I make people really uncomfortable because I'll talk about like mental illness or something like, you know, that I struggle with. And, well, people get, like, <laughs> and that was another thing is like I didn't want people to treat me like a cancer patient. I wanted everybody to know how I was feeling, what was going on. And 
it was really hard for me to be in a position of weakness. That's just never been me. I've always been kind of, I've always been good at school. I've always been good at sports. Like I've, you know, played sports all the way through college. I, like, you know, done well in pretty much everything. I've always been as, you know, I was always like the tallest kid in class. I was always in pretty good shape. Like, and then to me, like just being in a state of, you know, weakness, like, you know, I don't know if it's a guy thing or not, or if it's just a personal thing, but it's, it was really tough to one, ask for help, two, <laughs> receive support, and three, admit that I was sick. But once I did, like, uh, I don't know, it didn't, it didn't really have as big a negative, like, it didn't affect me as much as I thought it would be. And it's a temporary thing. And so, you know, I, I went down to Alabama to see one of my best friends, my college roommate, and we talked a lot, and his family was there, and so, and I, I made the bet. I was like, you know, by Christmas, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be back to 195 pounds, and I'm gonna be stronger than you. Um, and they just kind of laughed, and I was just like, watch me. And that's just kind of my attitude with all this: is I don't care what you think I can do, I'm gonna show you, and you can tag along with me. You can watch from the stands. You can do whatever you want, but I'm gonna do this. The last question I have, which is, it seems really ridiculous. But what has been the best part of getting diagnosed with cancer, if there is? There is. I haven't had a lot of adversity in my life. Um, not that there hasn't been things that have been hard and I've gone through other stuff. But this was the first major obstacle that I really had along the way. And I think it really helped me get a lot better at self-reflection, um, which <laughs> – if you would ask me eight months or a year ago, I would have said, what's the point of that? But I like to think that that's one of my strong suits these days. And I spend a lot of time doing that and, and you know, perspective taking and trying to, like I said, I mean, it's not always easy to tell yourself you're happy and things are good when they aren't. But you got to do it. And if you if you can figure out what perspective you're looking at things, and I think, it, you know, one of the things I said in the blog is, you know, if you, if you don't like the writing on the wall, look at the ceiling, you know, just change your perspective, do something different. Obviously it's not working. So what can you do to change that? And, and I've done a lot of kind of, I don't want to call it soul searching because that sounds terrible, but soul searching and just trying to figure out exactly who I am and what I'm good at and how I can be a better person and friend and cancer patient and entrepreneur and student and blogger and all those things. And I think it's helped tremendously being able to kind of step back and just evaluate how I think about things. And and I I would recommend that everybody try to do it because you really can change a lot of things, like how you are, how you feel. And I, I really do believe that your thoughts in your brain control a lot of your physiology and really will make you happier and healthier. Thanks so much again for listening to our show. You can follow us at 3 Broke Mice on Facebook and Twitter and email us at 3brokemice at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from our listeners because, hey, we're doing this all for you. Keep in touch and keep on listening.